Psalms 107, I'll be getting in verse 1 as you're turning there. Thank you so much for being here today. If it's your first time with us, I want to say welcome to Legacy. Uh, I hope you got a Connect card on the way in. If you did not, be sure you get one on the way out. We have a little gift for you before you leave today. We'd love to say hello to you. Psalm 107, verse 1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north, from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. And he led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city for a dwelling place. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. Let's look at that uh, first verse again. It says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his mercy endures forever, forever, forever. Come on, say forever today, forever, forever. Aren't you so thankful this morning that we serve a forever kind of God? I don't know about you, but I know a lot of people. It seems like they have uh, 365 different personalities. Anybody know those people? It's like every time you see them, you're like, which one am I going to face today? But it's so good to know that God never changes. Amen. He is true today. Uh, he is the same today, yesterday, and forever. Amen. He's been so good to us. And I'm just thankful today that he remains. Amen. I'm just thankful this morning that he is constant. And I'm so thankful that he is a forever kind of God, if you will, Let's pray this morning. Lord, I thank you today for your goodness. I thank you today for your mercy, oh God. Lord, I pray, Lord, that right now, Lord, that our hearts would be in tune with your heart, that our ear would be in tune with your voice, Lord, and that our eyes would be locked on you. Lord, I declare right now every distraction that's going on in our lives. Right now, Lord, we just lay it at your feet, and we want you to speak to us today. We want to see you today. We want to hear you today. We want to experience your spirit today. So right now, Lord, we just step in with everything that we have, and we give you the honor and the glory and the praise. And the church said amen this morning. <clears throat> amen and amen. The word says that his mercy endures forever. There has never been a moment and there never will be a moment while on this earth, while you are breathing, that mercy will not be available to you. I don't know about you, but that right there is just reason to thank the Lord because his mercy is forever and is always ready for you to partake of it. And every time that you are in need of his mercy, it is there. Every time you need just a a little dose of his mercy. I'm thankful that it is there. Every time that you have experienced his mercy, guess what? You should give him thanks. Is there anybody in the house this morning other than myself that has, that has experienced his mercy and is thankful for his mercy this morning? 
If you haven't experienced his mercy, you're probably lying to yourself this morning. Amen? Because we all need his mercy. Whenever you look uh, at God's people, when you look at the Jewish people, the word Jew comes from, is pulled from the beginning of the tribe of Judah. And when you look at the word Judah, Judah means praise. So God calls forth these group of people, and he, he calls them forth a people of praise. And people uh, will not, will never be able to say their name without saying praise the Lord. People will not be able to describe them, describe who they are without just giving God some praise. Thankfulness is uh, will become part of their identity. Praise will become part of who they are. Last week I talked about the promise uh, of the seed of Abraham. He said, these are my people. They were once nobodies. Now they are the, the people. He said, I will bless them. Uh, I will bless their descendants. I'll be with their family. I will protect them. I will have their backs. When everybody's speaking negatively about you, he said, I will come and I will stand up for you. I will fight for them because they are my people, because they are people that know how to praise, because they are people that know how to be thankful today. And so the word Judah, which means praise, begins with the word Jew. And whenever you look at the word Jew, it means means thankful. So before praise comes thankfulness. Listen, you really can't give God praise until you really get thankful. I said you really can't give God praise until you until you can look around and say, "Lord, I'm thankful for everything." You've really not stepped into a true time of praise until you've stepped into a true time of thankfulness. Praise is just a ritual if you're not thankful. Amen. You're just making noise if you're not thankful. You're just singing if you're not thankful. Sometimes we get more in love with a song. Sometimes we get more in love with a singer than we do with our Lord. Come on, somebody. But whenever you get thankful, it doesn't matter who is singing. It doesn't matter what song they're singing. It doesn't matter if it's in your key. Guess what? Whenever you get thankful, you start recalling everything God has done for you. You start remembering how God prevailed provided for you. You start remembering how God opened a door. You start praising God that he shut that door. You start praising God that that, that, that that relationship didn't work out. Anybody ever been there? You start thanking God that you are in a relationship and it is working. And whenever you start singing, you start recollecting and all of a sudden you get thankful. And then all of a sudden your singing matches up with thankfulness and it becomes praise. And whenever you start praising with thankfulness, it reaches into a new place of heaven. It reaches the ears of the Father. And that's when things start happening. That's when the, that, that right there is when Satan gets scared of God's people, is when they stop singing and they start praising. When they just stop talking, but they start saying, Lord, I couldn't have done it without you. I don't know where I would be without you. I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful that God hears us today. I'm thankful that God sees us. And I'm thankful that he has given us a weapon that whenever we sing and it matches with our thankfulness, he has given us the weapon of praise today. Can I get an amen this morning?
In Psalm 107, it says to give thanks unto the Lord. Uh, this, this very word, it was, it was an offering that the Jews would give to the Lord. And this offering of thanksgiving, it was called the offering of Korban Toda. Korban Toda. And in Psalm 107, we see it here. And we see different groups of people that the Jewish people believed ought to partake in this offering of thanksgiving. And they said, if you are in these groups, you should be giving in this korban toda. You should be offering up uh, uh, blessings of thanksgiving to the Lord. And I want you to write these down because the first group is found in verse 4 through 9. It says they wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. It says they found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted inside of them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And he delivered them from their distresses. And he led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city for a dwelling place. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. The Bible said that they wandered in the wilderness. It was, it was a desert. It was a desolate place. According to their tradition, anyone that has survived a desert season, anyone that has ever found themselves in a place of desolation ought to give thanks. If you've ever been through a dry season, you ought to give thanks this morning. If you've ever felt like you've been in a place like a wilderness, you ought to give thanks this morning. Has anyone ever other than myself found yourself in a desert place where it felt like you were going to die? It was dry. It felt like you couldn't hear the Lord. You couldn't see him. Even whenever you were in a place like this, it just felt like it was just dry. Life is full of wilderness and desolate seasons. And if you've never been in one, hold your breath because there's probably one on the way. And how many of you know that we all go through these places? No one is exempt from desert seasons. No one is exempt from wilderness seasons. If you look throughout scripture, you will find that to be true. Some of the greatest people of our faith found themselves in desert seasons. Abraham, Moses, Jacob, Hagar, and David, and even Jesus Christ himself dealt with desert seasons. Moses, Hagar, Jacob, David found themselves in this season because they were either running from something or from someone. David was uh, fleeing from Saul. Jacob was running from Esau. Hagar fled from Sarah. Moses was running in fear from Pharaoh. And as much as we do not like desert seasons, as painful as they are, often the desert is our way of escape. Often we will put ourselves in desert situations. But the thing about it is this morning is that people don't even realize, but as they're running to the desert, they're actually running out of another season and so often we walk out of desert seasons when we walk away from a bad relationship we walk out of a bad work environment we walk out of a bad past we are literally walking through a desert and so often we go through the desert to get out seasons where it feels like nobody is talking to us seasons where it feels like nobody
nobody knows us. Nobody knows that we even exist. Nobody, nobody called me. They didn't even know I wasn't in church last week. Nobody spoke to me uh, in the marketplace. My coworkers don't even care about me. Seasons where it feels like you're all alone and nobody knows. And while the desert season is not wanted, it is often a sign that I'm actually coming out of something. You can either look at it in the negative or you can look at it at the positive. But deserts are always a sign. I'm actually coming out of something. It reminds me that I'm not staying where I am. It reminds me of his promises that he will never leave me and he will never forsake me. Deserts are good to remind me that people that I let in my head, people that I let in my life in the past, people that I let in my bank account, people that I let in my house, in my thoughts, in my emotions, in my heart before, it reminds me, do not let those people back into your life. And some of us have lost our thanks. We've lost our praise in the middle of this desert. But God is speaking today and he's reminding you that this desert is actually your way of escape. The desert is actually bringing you out so he can lift you back up. The desert is not your destination. I want you to say it with me. Say, say this desert is not my destination. Now I want you to look at your other neighbor and say, you need to wake up this morning. It's not my destination. It's not my destination. I'm just developing here. God is creating me into something right now. How many of you know that God can still move in the desert? It may be hard. It may be dry. But God can still move in the desert. How many of you know that God still speaks in the desert? God spoke to Hagar in the desert. He spoke to Moses in the desert. He spoke to Abraham in the desert. He spoke to David in the desert. And I want to speak this over you today. Today. You are going to come out of this season knowing him like you've never known him before. You're going to come out of this season with revelation that you never thought you could get. You're going to see things in a way. Why? Because he still speaks and he still moves in the desert. When Jesus was in the desert, the word said that he was empowered there. You need, we need to start praying, Lord, while I'm in this desert, strengthen me. Lord, while I'm in this place we often play we often uh, pray lord what i'm in this place get me out but we need to start praying lord while i'm here lord i want to make the most of it lord while i'm here don't let me come out like i came into it lord lord let me leave with a greater anointing let me leave let, let me leave deeper in the spirit let me leave with a greater faith let every demon that tried to keep me right here let them be defeated in this desert amen lord Lord, give me the power to bind Satan. Lord, give me the power to know his voice. See, because it's in the desert when you learn who you really are. It's in the desert when you learn how deep your faith really is. And Lord, since I'm here, give me the power. Give me the power to speak to the enemy and say, you got to leave me alone because I am a child of the Most High God this morning. The desert are often looked at as the end, but really deserts are the welcome mat to what God has for you next. The desert leads people to what is next. The desert led Moses to the promised land. It led David to the throne. It led Jesus to have more power. So what, if you've ever been in a dry season of your life, the word says you ought to give him thanks today.
the second group that the Jews were writing to, thinking, believing that they are to offer up this praise was in verse 18 through 20. It says, their soul abhorred all manner of food and they, 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 they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them out of their distress. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Number two, anyone that has ever been healed ought to give God thanks this morning. I said anyone that God has touched, anyone that God has healed ought to give God some thanks today. The word said he sent his word and healed them. Uh, uh, some translations say he healed his, uh, he sent his word and it healed their disease. The Hebrew word for healing is rapha. It means to heal. It means to restore. It means to literally mend back together, to make whole once again. It is whenever you, when, whenever you come into a rapha, it is the complete restoration of the mind and the body and the spirit. There is nothing that God cannot heal you from. I said there is nothing too big that God cannot heal you from this morning. He can heal you from your past. He can heal your issues. He can heal your broken heart. He can heal your mind. Why? Because he is Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah means God, the one God. When you put the two together, Jehovah Rapha, it means God, the great physician, God, the doctor, God my healer when you speak that name in thanksgiving when you speak that name in praise when you speak that name in the doctor's office after getting that bad report you are declaring there is nothing that is too big for my God Psalms 103 said Jehovah Rapha forgives all of my sins and heals my disease can we just take a moment this morning and show Jehovah over Rapha some thanks and give him some praise because he is a God that can handle all things this morning. They said, if you've been healed, you should be one of the first in line saying, Lord, I'm, I give you the praise. Lord, I'm thankful for you this morning. This third group of people that need to be thankful, they said, is found in verse 21. It said, all that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. Those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, they see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep for his commands and he raises the stormy wind which lifts up the waves of the sea. They mount up to the heavens. They go down again into the depths. He's painting this picture of people, uh, fishermen on a boat in a storm. He says their soul, or some translations say their courage, their courage melts because of this trouble. Don't you just love those people? Here, here, here are these bold fishermen and they're courageous but as soon as they see a storm. They're courageous until they see the storm. It's like those boys in high school that were all taught. You know those people. They're just all taught. They just talk about your mama, talk about your daddy, but if you buck up to them, they just shut up. Anybody know those people in life? It's like one of them. It said they reel to and fro in verse 27, and they stagger around like drunken men and are at their wits end. Then they cut out 
then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble and he brings them out of their distresses and he calms the storm so that the waves are still and silent. The number three is anyone that has ever survived a storm ought to give God some thanks. Amen. Is there anybody in the house this morning? You can praise God simply because you have survived some storms in this life. If you are alive today, you know life is about storms. Life is a, full of storms. It's how you manage them. Some storms, you can see them coming a mile away. Some storms come out of nowhere, and they'll just get you before you even know it. And whether you follow Jesus Christ or not, you are going to have to endure some storms. Just because you are a Christian doesn't mean that you are storm-free. Can I get an amen? Everyone, whether you follow Jesus or not, you are going to have some storms in your life. Sinners deal with storms. Saints deal with storms. But I don't know about you, but if I've got to go through a storm, I'd rather have that one with me that can step out of that boat and say, peace be still. There's some storms that you face that money cannot get you through. There will be some storms that, that, that you face that mama or daddy cannot bail you out of. There will be some storms that granny's anointing cannot get you through. But let me tell you that there is, a, that, that, that there is not a storm on this planet. There is not a storm in this world that Jesus cannot step out on and say, peace be still to. He can speak to your family. He can speak to your job. He can speak peace to your marriage. He can speak peace to your finances. He can speak peace to your job, to your health. He can speak peace to your mind. Everybody's going through something, but I don't know about you. I'd rather go through something with him. If he's ever said peace to your storm, will you just praise the Lord with me this morning? The good thing about a storm is that you get to choose to go through it with Jesus. You have a choice. You have a choice to either ride the storm or let that storm ride you. And Jesus was setting an example when he stepped up and he stepped out and said, peace, be still. Man, help me out this morning. The next time you are in a storm, you need to ask yourself, what would Jesus do in this situation? Because so often whenever we get in a storm, we start panicking. We get on Facebook and we ask, we will do a poll on Facebook. We'll do a reel on Facebook. We'll ask Oprah what Oprah thinks. We'll watch Dr. Phil. We'll read a book. We want to know. But what did Jesus do? As soon as he was in a storm, he rose up and he took authority and he said, storm, peace. And the next time that you, a child of God, you find yourself in a storm, you've got to rise up and say, storm, leave me alone. Storm, you can't have my family. Storm, you can't have my children. Storm, you can't have my future. Storm, you can't have my health. Storm, 
time you can't have my wealth you can't have my mind the word says that they cried out and he silenced the waves Shh. you ever heard somebody talking to you you're going to be like shh Please quit talking. Sometimes you've got to tell that to your storms around you. Sometimes when it gets so crazy, the storms around you, you've got to tell them to be quiet. You've literally sometimes just got to be so frank with them and tell them to shut up. Well, I can't believe you said shut up in the house of the Lord. You say worse than that to your kids and your spouse. So why not tell Satan sometimes, you need to shut up. You need to stop whispering in my ear. You need to stop getting shut up. But you're going to fall. Shut up. You're going to fail. Shut up, Satan. Your marriage will not make it. Shut up. You're going to die. Shut up, Satan. I'm not going to die, but I'm going to live and declare the works of the Almighty Lord. Fear. Shut up. Depression. Shut up. Anxiety. Shut up. Winds and waves. You have no power over me because I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Because I am a child of the Most High God. Come on, will you stand up with me this morning? Winds and waves, you have no power over me. Why? Because my God is able. My God is the wave walker. My God is still the wave talker, somebody. And he's silencing storms today. I said he's silencing your storms today. I said he's silencing your storms this morning. Because when Jesus speaks up, Satan shuts up.